Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Horse Heretics. I'm Neil. And I'm William. And today we'll be finishing off the second part of Nemesis by James Swallow. Now, in the first part of this, well, it, we thought it was a, uh, a real book of two halves. Um, <laughs> we liked one story uh, a whole lot. That was the one, the police procedural tale. Um, and then there was the assassin action movie thing that sucked. Yeah. Fair to say. And um, we uh, left it at sort of what we thought was a natural ending and which we both agreed was the sort of best place that we could have ended it, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we didn't know that at the time. And and you picked this ending. I don't think you were any further on than this point where you and you chose no, it. No, 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 it's just pure luck. So it was fairly arbitrarily chosen point, and, and we always do that um, when, we're, when we're deciding where to cut it off between the, the two episodes covering one book. But this is, I don't think there's ever been one that was more um, apt than, than this one, because it's like... Uh, the book, well, I was going to say it completely changed. It didn't completely change, but the bit that we liked about the book was just completely severed at this point. Basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the police procedural bit stops completely, and um, any interest I had wrapped up about half a chapter in. Yeah, um, but we'll we'll get to our opinions at the end. Um, I thought the uh, a good way forward would be to continue with the two. Uh, we'll sort of bring to a, a close to a close uh, each strand uh, because it's only right at the very end that there's any sort of unification between the two stories. So I thought we could sort of continue along on um, Yusuf's sort of uh, attempt to find Erno Sig. Shall we yeah. do that? Also, that that wraps up pretty quick, and this narrative then becomes uh, Spears' story, basically. Yeah, and we'll we'll take that on a little bit as well um, up until the end. So, I guess we could start with um, the most pointless character in the book, uh, Perig. Do you remember her? <laughs> she was the um, like uh, psychic that had been like employed or enslaved, I guess, more accurately by the uh, Eurotas dude at great expense and she went about with Hissos who is his yeah. kind of like I don't know what he was kind of like a fixer like a, detective yeah major domo of. type thing yeah um, yeah so um, they were introduced with a bit of fanfare they both walked in together I thought oh here's a Jew that's going to change the book up a bit um, but no um, she uh, is trying to get like a psychic picture of Erno Sig by just like touching all his stuff and uh, she can like pick up his psychic residue or something, not not explained well, um, and see exactly where he is. Um, and she does that. She goes into a trance and uh, she sees him. Somehow she knows that he's like a divided man, divided between like uh, the fear of something and his uh, end of all hope for redemption. Um, and at this point, I I have a note that says, uh, "Show this, don't tell it." <laughs> but, um, like, you can't just say, "I think that man is deeply divided between these two things." Like, you could have, like, you could have spent a bit of time, but th that is going to be my main complaint about this. The book tries to be 
it, it it tries to touch on like a bit of everything yeah but just like it's like listing chapter headings and then not writing any chapters about about what you're meaning to talk about yeah i mean that's like that's sort of similar to i i'm just thinking of right now is that the book i mean i don't want to like I'm sort of wary of getting into that chat of like, oh, this book didn't do what I wanted it to do and it went down a different path, so I don't like it. But it's not really that. It's like it it um, kept on sort of like starting things and then they just got abandoned. It was weirdly like a sort of series of like altered sort of drafts, you know what I mean? Where they were like, no, no, yeah. you have to stop doing that and you have to go into this other thing now. Um, and so, yeah, that, I mean, most strikingly, as we'll get to in the in the sort of end of Yosef's story. Um, <laughs> and But that carried on with a few things. It was like, it sort of like drifted close to some interesting stories, but then kind of went right yeah. past them, you know? And like, the, there's the, um, the in the Assassin's uh, storyline, uh, you find out a bit more about uh, Kel and his sister, Solmes, um relationship and the end of their family and there's like a division between duty and uh, familial love yeah um, and that how that divides then there's talk about like how killing uh materially alters the relationships with people you love and that kind of thing and then uh, duty versus faith all of those things you can like entire legions of books have been written on these things and they're all brought up mentioned as if they are going to be explored and then never fully or even partially explained well yeah it was it was like it was decided in the last quarter or so of the book we'll get to that 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 the relationship between um kel and Soam was sort of the heart of the story but (laughs) um, and i was like who the fuck are these people (laughs) i've basically forgotten them I mean, right? Okay, we're going all over the place here. Yeah. So, okay. Well, let's let's, let's talk about Perig's death, shall we? <laughs> that seems like a long time ago now in reading. So, uh, yeah, yeah, she like meditates a bit and for unexplained wakes up in a completely red meaty room. Um, the the monster like unfolds itself from like a cupboard or something, and um, you know, it's a hell beast. Um, it cuts off her thumb and eats it. And um, from that, she knows that it's a black pariah. That's the first time I think we've had that. So we know Iota, the assassin, is a pariah. A black pariah, I think, is a bad one of those. That uh, what Spear is, how he came to be, and like what he does, his his uh, control of whatever power he has. I never got a picture of what it was. I don't know what he was. I know there was like in this book there were so many <laughs> like to me uninteresting attempts at n- drawing nuance between subtly different like types of shape-shifting and <laughs> psychic power, you know what I mean? That I yes. was just could not discern from most of the book and like yeah, anyhow. So it kills I can't remember the order of events here, but she gets killed by the, the the demon thing that we know is like behind this sort of serial killer spree on the planet of Yesta Veracrux. Um and uh, I don't know what happens exactly what follows next, but we soon come to a scene where uh, Sabrat 
Um, he's investigating. He's yeah. investigating her death, and um, he he goes to this. Um, uh, well, all the the research and, st- and stuff points in the direction of a place called Whiteleaf, um, and Hissos and and Yosef go to this like wine manufacturing place uh, that Perig had put on her data slate before she was like turned to ash or whatever. Um, and you know, do do as all cops do in these situations, they split up. Uh, uh, Hissos finds. Uh, the remains of Erno Sig, and uh, he's had like all his skins and skin and bones removed, all his bones and organs, I suppose, removed from his skin. Long story short, Sabrat gets kind of swallowed up by the creature. No, uh, he's he's already been swallowed up by the the creature. Sabrat. Like, oh yeah, shit. And says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he like he uh, Yosef like walks up and says. Yosef's gone. It's I'm Spear, and he uh, eats Hissos alive. He's already killed Yosef. Um, there's there's a really shit line. Um, in it, he sort of transforms into a monster at this point. Of course he does. Um, the bare arms distended and grew large, their proportions ballooning. Fingers merged into flat mittens of meat. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, you shouldn't mention mittens in a mittens horror story is not just does not carry the right connotations when you're talking about this shape-shifting demon monster i i literally said fuck off and put the book down at one point here um he because he's talking about going to terra he says there is no terra it bubbled horrible amusement sharding the words only terror oh yeah that was like a pure oof a fuck off like Honestly, that's that's really bad. That's not bad. That's not good bad. That's bad bad. Shame on James Swallow. Um, yeah, so, yeah, this is where it's, it's revealed that Sabrat, in this whole story, Sabrat has not been himself. He has yeah, yeah. had a demon inside him. <laughs> or Yeah, like, it, the, the demon seems to be him and have memories, like, be using his memories yeah. to infiltrate and lead this in a certain direction there is definite like uh some some information is given that there's some kind of like countdown that all of these actions that have been performed on yes to veracruz is in the aid of something greater um and is like pointing in the direction of terror yeah and he so basically his plan is that he's just sort of with his killing and then adopting the form of people, he's working his way up to get where he wants to go, which is onto Yudratas's ship. I mean, it's hard. I feel like it's hard to be completely chronological to talk if we're going to talk about Spear. But basically, he is so, like you said, he was a black pariah, which was basically a kind of psychic weapon created by the Imperium, but it was too dangerous. So they kind of cancelled the program and. They thought they destroyed him, but he uh, got in with the chaos crowd, and we'll get onto that in a bit later. But they they put a demon skin on him. Um, and that it took a long time for me to realize what what that was. Like they mentioned demon skin a lot, but I was like, is that just a name of something that we should know? Is it inside him? But I think it's literally 
a demon thing covering his skin. Yes. And allowing him to form into different things and stuff. Yeah, so he's so he sort of started off as a as a human um with you know, this these special abilities. Then he got his demon skin added to him and now he has the ability to kill people and absorb their essence basically, which allows him not only to take on their form but to take on their like entire personality, basically. Yeah, and um, to, to know their memories and stuff like that, to basically know everything about them. Yeah, but they the sort of price that he pays for that, I guess, is that they they still kind of dwell within him as like potentially independent entities, but he has to kind of like over a period of time he can sort of make that go away, I think, it sort of says. Yeah, yeah like he, he had this is not described well. Um, he is sort of interrupted at a point where he's going through a like meditational process to purge himself of the the personality of Hissos because he eats Hissos and becomes him, and he's trying to like purge. No, he's trying to like I think purge uh, Sabrat actually, and then Hissos interrupts him, and so um, he kills and eats Hissos. Uh, and becomes him and doesn't have time to perform this like purging ritual thing and uh, throughout the rest of the book Sabrat keeps sort of talking in his mind um, yeah. and, and generally interspersing himself in unhelpful ways along the, the path of the plot yeah and, I mean I'm like I'm all I'm all up for a big schlocky twist but like this was just like, like oh Right, so not only is that storyline that we quite like gone, but it yeah. also was never really, it never <laughs> really happened. Yes, yes, all that, all that talk when we were like, it's just a human tale. It was in fact a mutant demon skin. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a human tale at all. It was a, a tale of a human mutant demon skin hybrid monster. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I was, I felt cheated at that. You know, I honestly, I thought, I, I was just thinking, well, what's the rest of this book going to be? Because all of those interactions with um, his wife and his kid and all that kind of stuff were great. That can't happen anymore. Um, so they just don't mention it. They just never go back to that, that world again. Um, and it's disappointing. Do you know? Um, it's interesting in this uh, way that. This my version of this book was uh, had a had a author's like note at the end. He in there, which so it was quite strange in there that he was like part of the what he liked about doing this book was getting to like describe the the sort of wives of an ordinary person, you know, in the midst of the the horror's heresy, which was exactly what we kind of highlighted as what we liked about it. Yeah, um, and and then. But it's just completely jettisoned at this point, and like, um, and it was almost as if you know, there was you know, it was almost as if he'd done this, and then like he sort of showed this draft of what he had so far to an editor, and they were like, "No, mate, like, um, <laughs> we can't, we can't have this. You can keep what you've done if you turn this guy into a demon, <laughs> or or maybe it was like." Um, we we don't like this at all. We 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 don't think we can publish this. But what if, what if he's actually a demon? <laughs> You're like, well, I I mean, 
Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So all of this, um, all of this, like home life, all of this, that can be, that can be. We can get rid of that because it's all a demon. Uh, okay. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Anyway, so he um, he eats spear, and when when I say eats, like he, he does, like cut him into pieces and just like swallow him up. Well, his sauce, his yeah. off and stuff. Uh, his sauce, yeah. So, like, um, to c- cut out large portions of this because it's shit. Um, he, he axes his sauce and goes back to Telemachus and our old mate Bert's Limner, <laughs> <laughs> who uh, g- gets short shrift in this. Like, he's not much of a character, but that name, boy, oh boy. Um, <laughs> and, and he he basically plays it off. Um, oh. Sabrat was the the murderer all the time. Uh, he was just trying to like uh, throw you off, um, and, and and that kind of shit. Um, he blames the ritualistic nature of the murders on on the theoge, yeah, and uh, departs for the um, the the ship that's in orbit, the the ship that Baron Eurotas arrived on. I kind of like as 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 small a character as he is in this book. I kind of feel there's potential for a Burt's Lamner spin-off. You know, like um, the sort of pratfalls of this guy who's just been promoted above his level. You know, <laughs> the sycophant. <laughs> and just I think, like, but I, I see it as like episodic adventures. You know what I mean? Like not a <laughs> not a grand narrative. Just kind of like you know what his mishap of the week is. You know, in this. <laughs> yes, they're all failures. <laughs> they're all they all have to be the latest failures of Bert's Lamner. Reeve. <laughs> um I think we're gonna to have to write those well because I don't think anybody else is going to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, probably amongst the Warhammer fandom there's not a massive cry for, a, for yeah. Bert's Lamner. <laughs> I don't think he'll have like a Wikia page or anything like that. Um so we're we're on board uh that ship. And uh, Spear, um, in the form of, of Hissos, um, sort of puts all his cards on the table. He tries to get into the uh, personal reliquary of the Baron to try and get at the um, the warrant that we described last time. The um, uh, warrant that was signed in blood by the Emperor that, that gave him the right to uh, trade in this area of space. Um, and so we know that... Um, spear can like through drinking bl- the blood or eating the body of people uh sort of use that to become them and to get close um uh, use that as a, as a means to get close to the uh his uh target and assassinate them um yeah. so he does he sort of he he secretes like ooze which we didn't know he did he could do that this skin is sort of multi-purpose it does and sticks himself to the ceiling which is pretty cunning. It's a real um, Swiss army knife of a demon skin. This really is. Whatever you need him to do, he can do. Um, and sort of scoots along the ceiling above the <laughs> above the guards and like turns his hands into keys and all this shit breathes into the lock. He gets in, but finds that the um, the the book, the, the warrant, which is in the form of a book, um, isn't there. It's like a holographic representation of that yeah and then like still in the like obviously not revealing himself to be a demon he ends up like talking to uh eurotas the void baron 
um, and basically uh, your task turns out is a pretty like a like a non-practicing <laughs> uh, Latissio Divinitatis fan. <laughs> That's actually interesting. Like we we everyone is either the most faithful person in the world or uh, chaos demon scum. <laughs> it is it is sort of nice to have like a sort of lapsed like my parents were like true believers and I like they, they left me a job and a task to do and I'm doing it but I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So basically he uh, is revealed to be that and it turns out that he's placed the uh, the warrant which is like amongst the people that worship the emperor as a god is regarded as a holy relic and he has placed that in the care of the theoge on Iesta Veracruz um, and so Spear goes back down no is it on Dagonet yeah no it's, it's, on, Dag- it's on Dagonet yeah. Dagonet sorry yeah so that's the other planet close by where we where rebellion was kicking off in fa- and like, which the so- assassins are on yeah in favour of Horus like in the last discussion but yeah i think actually that's a good point to probably should we maybe switch to the other narrative for a bit and then round off with both of them together kind of thing yeah that that's where i was going to do it but i i just wanted to say i thought that was like um a nice little touch that uh the baron has sort of debts and he's not doing that well and through the like different negotiations and uh he has sort of been forced by the theos to give them this um, item of pilgrimage, um, this relic, um, and uh, it's kind of a, like a nice little thing that like he is selling out this item of religious devotion in order to sort of keep his ships running and stuff. It's cool, um, but uh, yes. Yeah, so I think it's fair to leave that point and rejoin. Um, un- it's hard to say this: the shit story, um, <laughs> where. <laughs> We have that scene, which I should love. They're always my favorite scenes in, in the films, um, of the 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 soldiers getting their really cool weapons presented oh, yeah, to them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, like, at this point, so the, their plan now is they're going to, um, or no, I can't remember when exactly they decided this, but they're going to, or they realize Horus isn't going to come to the planet. Is this jumping the gun here a little bit? Well, uh, no, the... the that's jumping the gun a little bit. They, they plan. Um, they think Horus will come to the planet um, because there's a rebellion. Um, so they are going to kill him. But through some various um, uh, sort of unimportant story threads, uh, they learn that the rebellion is is basically done, yeah. and so Horus they won't come because uh, it's a done deal. It, you know he can better spend his time doing something else so they spend a bit of time um stirring up the populace uh they break out the leaders of the rebellion from prison uh with their mad assassinating skills and sort of reinvigorate the rebellion in order to draw a horse to them once again and they do that yeah and this again had the potential to be a fun story but wasn't um, in the, like you know, it sort of had the plucky, you know, rebels, uh, but they're being like essentially used by these assassins. But um, 
in, that's the main that's the main point isn't it is that the assassins know that the rebellion can't possibly succeed and they're yeah. using it uh, and, and sort of playing these good-hearted humans uh, and leading them to their ultimate demise yeah but rather rather so yeah they'd be you know in reality they'd be better off just fleeing now but they they make them carry on this war with some success because the assassins the assassins are carrying out operations for them and again this is like i thought that could have been a cool framework for this entire book you know like if that was Mm -hmm. if that was just the book was that the series of like the campaign of if you want to write a book of assassins make it that they sort of carry out this campaign but there's a sort of lie at the heart of it and then that comes out at the end and i thought that could have been a good story but it was kind of just it was just passed over pretty quickly it's just another part of this book that was just kind of like it introduces this thing and just steers by it pretty quick um it's it's just used as um fodder for like stoking the what the author presumably thought was the more interesting storyline of the the kel and Solm you know, familial breakup thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So she's uh, she is um, a follower of the Lecticio. She is a religious woman, uh, whereas Kel, he's not particularly non-religious, but obviously uh, it puts them at odds, and uh, she obviously has a lot of problems with selling out this uh, crew of believers, um, whereas but- Kel just sees it as a mission. Yeah, well, we don't we don't know their believers, and most of them actually aren't initially. But she oh, that's true. she finds, um, in fact, most of them aren't throughout. Like, uh, she finds that there's, or they identify her. I can't remember. She like she finds a group of like tissue divinitatis worshippers led by uh, this noble woman, noble woman called Sinope, Sinope or Sinope or something. Um, Sinope, I would say. Yeah, and. Uh, and yeah, so they they are keeping their sort of religion secret from the rest of the rebel group, but she she's a wise crone, isn't she? <laughs> Sinope. She's a sort of stooped, haggard old lady, which yeah. means that she's got wisdom. She's very archetypal um, <laughs> in everything she does. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but she, uh, so yeah, th- that that sets the scene for Soam to basically. So she's taken issue with the whole plan, basically, and she kind of wants to tell people about it. Um, and she kind of breaks away from the main group to... Uh, what's it, what actually drives them to do this again? But they end up going to a place where the um, where the, the relic is. Yeah, they, um, they know that the War Master is coming now, and people are just breaking it. And uh, Sinope leaves her a message that says, um, I know that you're here for a reason, but now's the time that you have to like, make a decision. You need to, uh, it's your faith or your duty to the Imperium. Um, if, if, it, if you choose your faith, you should come with us. The soldier outside will lead you to like a hidden... Um, a hidden sort of rebel base, I guess you would call it, <laughs> on the planet. Um, and for as much as uh, they say this is like this is wrenching for her, she find, she makes this decision in the space of one line of text. Like yeah. she is, she finds this 
a very easy decision to make, which really kind of, well, I was like, well, f- fuck it. You know, I, I, why would I care if, if it's not described at yeah. all? Well, yeah. 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 No. And like their, their storyline, such as it is, is that, um, they were like orphans at a young age. Um, and they both ended up kind of, I don't know, like going to some assassin school. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like like a grown up Harry Potter story yeah. or something. <laughs> and um, and she her talent was for you know chemicals and poisons and stuff, and his was for I don't know shooting shooting things rifles. very accurately. Yeah. Well, yeah, so he he can shoot things very accurately. She apparently, like, she is the worst killer I've ever seen. Like she does no killing in this. She doesn't even make a a cunning potion to do anything. And you just think, well, her assassin cleared is the shit one because they do nothing. And um, uh, yeah, and they they kind of uh, the point of the story is meant to be that he he dealt with the death of their parents through like vengeance, basically. And um, I can't even and remember I, how in they doing got so sold her out. Yeah, they, yeah. they had a, they had the plan to be like. You know what? We don't want to become assassins. And then the main assassin guy in his uh, in his school of assassinating said, um, "We we know where you the murderer of your parents are." Uh, so he sent him away to do it. And in killing those people, he killed loads of women and children and stuff as well as yeah. collateral damage. And that sort of um, resigned himself, but also his sister, to life. In uh, as assassins and murdering people, um, that has that obviously has an effect on your soul. But again, that is mentioned but not described. Yeah. So I think we should cut away to so the assassins now they've been successful with their campaign of stirring up a, like a, a a war um, enough that Horus wants to bring his fleet and sort it out for his side basically and um the uh so they get the whole operation set up they obviously don't have Soma around anymore but um, and iota has also gone to yeah, find her iota sort of tracking her and um but the rest of them set up this plan um and which in, which involves this weapon called the lance oh yeah and i i say that because it's got two capital letters, the lance. Even the the is capitalized <laughs> in, the, in the lance. So, like, basically, the Kel is standing on top of a building somewhere very far away from the site where Horus and his crew are supposed to be landing. Um, and he's got his sniper rifle set up and he's ready to take the shot. And they've got... Um, Were you thinking at this point, was like, is, is their plan to shoot him? Like... <laughs> Well, it, it kind of is with the addition of a magic weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I forgot the magic weapon. You're right. Sorry, oh, that was just stupid <laughs> of me. Um, and so the rest of them are all just doing stuff nearer to the site of where Horus is landing, and um, so they're setting up this lance thing, which kind of basically, like as far as I could tell, when sort of it was timed so that when. When Kel was going to take the shot, this lance was going to sort of activate, and it was going to kind of break open a little hole for the bullet, or or break open the shield thing that the bullet was going to would otherwise have 
um, being stopped by like a sort of yeah. force field thing around Horus and the rest of them, and uh, <coughs> and yeah, that's how so how it works. So basically, they they carry out this operation and they they pull it off, uh, and he hits the target um, and blows his head, head off. His head yeah. off, yeah, and um, and so. So you're like, from that minute, obviously, as a reader, you're like, well, that wasn't Horus. And um, <laughs> yes. uh, unless he grows a head back, you know, because, you know, he appears later in the story. I guess that's that's perfectly possible. And <laughs> Yeah, wh- why not? Um, but, but, like, I was just, I, I, was, I was reading this and I'm like, so uh, is, is this just going to be they shot the wrong person? Like, <laughs> all of this fucking book, all of this endless fucking intrigue, this made-up magic weapon, which they could can only be fired once before it burns it out. Uh, bring another one, you know. <laughs> there's, any, there's, there's any sort of um, responses to this, um, but they didn't even wait to see that it was the right person before shooting him. Uh, you know, just yeah, because he was all meant like, to be assassins. He was wearing, you know, he was dressed up as Horus basically, um, and. He uh, so, but obviously, yeah, it turns out it wasn't Horus. It was Luke Sederai who we've who's been a sort of minor character in the Sons of Horus in other books and appeared at the start of this book actually, um, very briefly, um, and was they were talking about him. He might have been in position to occupy the the spot in the Mournival left behind by well, there were two spots, but someone else had already taken one, I think. But anyway, he was maybe going to go into the Mournival, um, like Horus's sort of four closest followers. Um, uh, yeah, so they realise yeah. that hasn't they, they've not been successful. The Space Marines are like, right, fuck it, let's kill everybody, um, <laughs> including our allies. Um, so they start doing that, and um, it all I sort of it- goes to shit. Yeah, I think they just start like burning the planet down, and uh, yeah, they do that very well. Uh, so if we can sort of flip over, I think to um, Solm. Yeah, I think um, that they, they have the um, the real relic uh, with the Emperor's blood on it, and they're protecting it in this weird casket thing. Um, Iota confronts them and just says, "You know, this is treachery. You've abandoned the the, the operation in for this thing that I don't understand." At the same time, uh, one of the soldiers brings in Hissos, who's just landed, and he, for maybe a line, a line and a half, he tries to talk them round. <laughs> yeah. Um. That when that doesn't work, he opens up his meat head, and <laughs> yeah, he, and, he's very and, quickly like fuck this, um, yeah, fuck, fuck this. We've got to get into some meaty murder, um, and with no eyes, you know, they normally describe a lot of eyes, but you know, uh, I like the uh, innovation of not being an eye monster this time. But he does, he can be an eye monster. He was an eye monster in the other part of the book, was he not? He had true, he did yeah. exude other eyes. I do remember that. He also has what is it like? No, sorry, I'm thinking of something else. But he, um, there, there's a phrase later on which describes him as having shoals of mouths, um, 
<laughs> he also has three spines, and I I can't picture that. I don't know what that. To be honest, like for all the description of this, plus a lot of things were very confusing to this book. By the end of it, I was like some of the descriptions of what he was doing with his form, I was like, you know what? You have done a good job of making that sound really disgusting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, um, some of it was just, like, horrible. Um, the, the murders, there's one murder coming up where, like, he um, sort of grabs the guy by the ribcage and just rips his, his um, ribs apart. And it says he empties his contents oh, on the yeah. ground. Yeah. It was, it's um, it's really horrible. Um, so we've got this black pariah up against Iota, who is a pariah. And you would think they wouldn't affect each other, or they would both affect each other equally, or something. But uh, she seems to be bleeding out of her eyes for no particular reason, and um, she somehow he murders her, and she like screams and. It is meant to be the the most horrible death imaginable, but I didn't understand why. Yeah, I yeah, I just had to accept that there was very powerful forces at work here. <laughs> <laughs> forces that you didn't understand. Yeah, like which one? Did, like also another thing that um, <laughs> it's beyond the can of man. <laughs> Another thing that um, is striking about these powers is that what you know, what is presented as the exact opposite of psychic power seems to operate in a very similar way to extreme psychic power. <laughs> yeah, indistinguishable from. <laughs> so, uh, like, she—it's—it's uh, it's not described, but Solm takes Iota's helmet and sort of disappears off into the desert or whatever um and this is where the the sort of the two paths cross for about a chapter um solm is found by the assassins as they're uh trying to flee um uh, it's just described that um kel has put a tracker on all of them you know didn't really need to send Iota off, but you know he did it anyway. So they find so um, so, um, and she tells them about the uh, spear monster eating the warrant and therefore imbibing the emperor's blood, and uh, sort of gives them the ultimatum that we need to either continue killing Horus or we need to kill Spear and defend the emperor. It's uh, it's one or other, and it comes down to that sort of decision that we had described to us between Dorn and Valdor in the first half. Is uh, do you want to protect the life of the Emperor or the continued existence of the Imperium? I think is the sort of uh, callback, um, but that's made a little bit clearer later on. Yeah, and and. Uh... Yeah, so they so they basically decide they're they're gonna try and save the emperor, and um, yeah, again, I can't I can't remember exactly the logistics of how this all plays out, but basically they end up with a Soam dies somehow, doesn't she? Yeah, like um, again, the 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 spear demon skin shows a few new 
powers that he can shoot bone bits oh, yeah. out of it and they like pierce the ship that they're in and she dies and says oh, god she like has this one-to-one heartfelt thing with kale saying oh no go ahead and and do your dirty murder keep doing your dirt but do it with love in your heart <laughs> basically yeah you know don't do it for revenge do it for uh good old-fashioned totalitarian dictatorships and she's like you don't know the you don't think the emperor's a god right now but you'll see um basically <laughs> and uh yeah. so so they set up a plan they sort of intercept um spear when he's about to take off i don't know sorry there's a whole thing where they're escaping from the the space marines that are or two of them are escaping the the information no not the information man the this is another the thing. Ship, I got confused. Ship. For it took me until the end, pretty much the end of this book, to work out who was who. But you know, the shapeshifter yeah, guy amazing. in yeah. the assassins and the the big fighter guy uh, are sort of escaping from the sons of Horus, um, who are destroying the city, and they kind of get on a train that crashes into something, and they start fighting, and then the the Garantine guy. Who uh, like he has a thing where if he gets killed, he like explodes. <laughs> yeah, and he uh, so he's he like sacrifices himself, runs back in to the space. I, I marines. think I think there's like a a bit that's meant to be sort of you know this shapeshifter, this stupid rage killer. They're very different. He calls it a freak because it's a shapeshifter. You know, it's n- it's not one thing. It's not the other. Uh, make up your mind you know he's that kind of dickhead um and the shapeshifter is slightly um holier than thou and um and sort of aristocratic almost um i think that the the author's like trying to make us think oh there's there's an attraction of opposites going on here uh and and the guarantee um sacrifices himself so that uh the shapeshifter can can live um and yeah, so it's the shapeshifter, it's the tech guy, um, and Kel, yeah, um, who are left to to try and defeat Spear. And and I actually, so this is in the final bit. They've set up a sort of plan to to like yeah, confront him at this place. And there's a is bit that plan the- to shoot him? <laughs> shoot! And one guy's to sit in the corner typing away on his. Uh, on his information <laughs> machine, um, but I actually like. I actually, this scene made me quite like the character of that information guy, and I would have liked him to be more central to the story because, like, it's just this whole thing about um, he's got like these little rats that are cameras and stuff like that, and um, <laughs> uh, and he's you know it's, I just quite like the way it's described from his point of view here, and I thought yeah, actually, it could have been cool if he was um, bigger part of the story. And it was this idea that normally his like assassin group don't they're normally not in the field and yeah. he um well he gets killed by a spear here he is in the yeah, field i thought it was a it was, it was a good bit whenever yeah the he realized just before his death that his sort of continued work in the field with these like trained killers which he's not um has led him to to misjudge the situation and think that he is more capable at this shit than he is, yeah. and that's led him to sort of slightly overstep what he's capable of, and he's the guy who gets emptied all over the ground, which is and a shame because I did like him. 
and he um is it him or the because the shapeshifter guy the the shapeshifter guy in the assassin squad turns up and either him or the computer guy throws a psychic grenade at um at a spear which really messes him up and yeah that's um, the that's the tech guy um right. he throws what i call a magic grenade <laughs> um with magical properties um that basically buy a bit of time that's all it does um yeah. it buys about i don't know six or seven pages of book yeah. which i could have been cut really <laughs> <laughs> really there'd be no problems with getting rid of that my editorial thing would be we could cut these pages by just getting rid of this magic grenade because it serves no purpose well it does kind of weaken the it does give the others the opportunities and not like, they decide finish. to uh, all the assassins um decide to attack one by one and um yeah so once the tech guy has been emptied on the ground then the shapeshifter comes in doesn't do a whole lot useful he's got a particular type of gun which um turns out to be utterly useless in this situation <laughs> yeah uh, oh. which is a shame christ there were so many fucking gizmos in this book that i just couldn't keep track <laughs> yeah. of them all like um but anyway kel kel shows up uh and i actually now that i'm trying to think about it i can't visualize i can't remember what how he kills um how the fight finishes off <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. um, I know how it, you know the result. It's but dis- I just can't remember. It's disappointing because um, the shapeshifter uh, gets like impaled on a spike, and he has cunningly used his impalation to um, to coax a spear out into the open. Kel, like a brave hero, is sitting about five hundred meters away with a rifle, and just shoots him. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's it. So, uh, Kel, like a good assassin, thinks all the danger's over, and so walks over, and uh, the demon skin isn't dead; it's taken over, and uh, starts attacking. Now, you've forgotten about Yosef, like all of us had, because he's dead. But somehow he comes back into the story, and this, <laughs> I laughed at this bit because. Um, He's using he's he's used this moment where, like the brain of the human part of Spear is like destroyed, but the warp beast monster part takes over, um, and so, so for some reason that's unexplained, uh, that allows Yosef out in a way that's unexplained to um, use whatever power is left to him, which isn't explained, to take control in a way I don't understand. Yeah. Um, and he Yosef uses that ability. He it's depicted as him like like a face of him like on the skin of this demon like pressing through. Yeah, and the, he's he's got like two or three seconds to give some advice to Kel, and the advice he chooses to give him is stop him. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat redundant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just think Kel would be like, "Oh shit, we've been going about this all wrong." Yeah, Kel just comes out with a really sarcastic answer. It's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah," because when I shot him, like you know, I was, I was, I was trying to help him on his way, you know. <laughs> so, um, but 
it turns out that shooting him is the what was the right plan all along. You just need to shoot him more. So uh, he shot <laughs> he shot him like five or six times with like fire bullets or something. Oh yeah, or, like yeah, yeah. like white phosphorus or something, and just burns them all up. Yeah. And that's it. Um, so <laughs> job done, right? Job done. We shot yeah. him once, didn't work. We shot him a million times, didn't work. We shot him a bit more. That worked. That with special it. bullets and the special bullets. <laughs> so, so th- by that point, you so you were down to Cal, and he gets in his ship and he like activates the. So like the ship they've come down to the planet on is like a module that is attaches to like a sort of interstellar craft thing, and he sort of activates the the computers or whatever robots on board that to to head back to Earth and like carry the message of of. You know, he sort of records a log of what's happened in the mission and stuff, and then he he um, takes his small craft, which has lots of advanced cloaking devices, to like try and like smash it into Horus's flagship, like right into the into the sort of bridge window bit. Yeah. Um, and I I I can remember up to that point, but I can't remember how that actually ends. That that was it. That was it, right? Yeah. Okay, I was thinking. He, he was piloting it towards, like, this big glass window that Horace was standing in front of. Horace was standing, looking out, somehow knowing that it was there. Yeah. And that's it. And, then, and so then we go back to, like, the secret room in the Emperor's Palace on Terra. Um, and, like, again, this was another element of the book that made me think, I would rather the book was just all this, like, hammy, like like subterfuge and secret chats and like in yeah. like secret rooms because like this was quite fun in a, in a in a sort of stupid way um it's like a yeah the 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 room in the tinker tailor soldier spy bit you know where all these people who are meant to be on the same side but have all their different axes to grind are all talking in code around each other that would be yeah that more of that a spy a spy tale that would be good yeah which i guess was a little bit like that one what was it? One of the previous books on the sort of desert planet. There's a lot of spy stuff, but I oh, quite yeah. liked that sort of secret, the secret room thing, as brief as it was in this book. But then, so they it's back to the secret room. They get the message from Kel, and they're having a big argument. Um, <laughs> and uh, so there's like in this highly secretive room that no one knows about. <laughs> <laughs> Rogel Dorn just turns up, um, kicking through a wall, <laughs> and he's like, "I was right, your way is shit." Um, <laughs> and you, you're Malkador, and everyone looks right. First, he's goes, like, "You're Valdor," and then like, then he's like, "You're Malkador," <laughs> and then he's like, "Everyone, take off your masks." And they're like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah." He's like, "He's like, you're you're all fucking losers. If you're going to talk to me, take your masks off." And all these losers take off their masks. Um, this would have been interesting if they like if if the story was about their identities and it was a big revealing moment and like the head of the one of the assassin schools was like you know he made the tea or something like that and this other one was actually a member of a different school but was a the leader of a different school in the assassins or whatever but we didn't know who they were anyway so there's there's no point in unmasking them really uh, uh, there's like a, a head-to-head between Valdor and uh, Dorn, and it goes nowhere until the Emperor walks in. 
<laughs> he's been there all along in the shadows. He's been there all along, unseen. And um, in in the dark. <laughs> he walks in and he was like, "Look, everyone, chill the fuck out. We're, what we're going to do now is make the officio assassinorum." <laughs> it's such it's such a fucking bureaucratic outcome, to you, isn't it? It's like it's always yeah. been there, but we're going to make it. We're going to acknowledge that it's there now, basically. Exactly, because uh, because they're basically arguing about oh we shouldn't you know using assassination techniques will like one of the, it's basically about you know I guess like you know it's a kind of like um, should we stick to our ideals or should we like use any means necessary to win this war is the kind of debate they're having, and then the emperor's like yeah all of that um, <laughs> yes so here he's like you're I'm going to shock you I've heard I've I've heard you Rugaldor and I've heard your views. Valdor, I've heard your views. I don't think you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to shock you here. You're both right. I think you're both right, and I've found a middle path. So what we're going to do is we're going to keep killing people. We're going to keep doing it in like extrajudicial ways, but we're going to have um, an oversight court, and it's going to be done. I think it's going to be me, and that's it. And you know, Valdor and Rogel must have just been like. None of us asked for this. Like, <laughs> also, it's, it's you have you're idea. not fucking doing anything by doing that. Like, doesn't address anything. So basically, that really sums up the sort of inconsequential nature of this book, um, which just had really had the, despite the appearance of Horus, like, it just had the total like feel of a sort of this is a side thing you know what i mean this is not an important part of the story this is like a wee tale about the assassins that doesn't really matter you know i see i i would have i i am all for a book that doesn't contribute to the overall plot but have have its own plot like nothing yeah. changes in this but that's, from, that's from what i mean like, to the end. that's what i mean it doesn't have to be about the central plot it's just but if it had advanced something in a meaningful way and it just really didn't seem to do that. Um, and it was like felt weirdly disjointed. Um, and I don't want to be too hard on the author because we, we know, obviously, that you know we've talked a lot about how like these books are obviously done under a lot of time pressure and having to fit into this massive editorial jigsaw and whatnot. And there really was a sense of like um, sort of quite dramatic, sort of jarring shifts in direction at times in mm. this book. Um, it doesn't make you wonder I, about the editorial process. I thought this book was a real trial to read. Yeah, like, like it skipped about those those plot threads that we sort of combined. It would skip between those. Yeah, but really uh, unnecessarily. So yeah, it, I, I find it a real grind to read yeah, this. Like, I find it was it all, really yeah. not fun. Hard work. I was like, if we had three in a row like this, we'd probably have to fucking pack it in. Um, <laughs> But, <laughs> okay, we're one down, listeners. <laughs> but um, but it also led me to a sort of slightly unexpected conclusion, which I th- I don't think you will agree with. But I'm like, I totally think that in the wider universe of like forty k novels, there's space for all kinds of stories, and you know they have they have um, branched out into like you know we've talked before about they've got a kind of Warhammer horror label now. And they, I think they, I think they're starting like a Warhammer Noir thing as well, um, or they maybe already have, which is you know obviously kind of what part of this story fits into. That would be cool for real, yeah. Yeah, but um, 
but it just struck me. I was like, much as we make fun of them and how badly written they are at times, like fundamentally, the Horus Heresy series is about the story of the Space Marines and the sort of inherent pomposity and grandiosity and huge scale of that. And like trying to merge those things with the story, just trying to sort of merge quite a different approach in this story with that didn't work it might have just been that it was a it was a bad book but it does make me think maybe that's just not what this series is about the series is about um this sort of you know just ridiculous scope of events and these mm. like big you know the, it's it's like the paradise lost but with space marine story and it's all sort of this mythological stakes to everything um and i don't know this the that that was I'm sure that was only part of the reason this didn't work for me, but it did make me it did make me think about that. And I, I actually which I may have never done before, before we recorded this, I've actually started the next book, which is about that the it's about he- Erebus. Um Oh cool. Called The First Heretic. So yeah, I think I'm looking forward to that. Um so Is that a short story? No or a, t- a, a series of short stories? No, it's a it's a book. It's a okay, it's a full cool. on novel. Um I I, I mean, I think I agree with you that um, the the merging of this small tale into the overall narrative was maybe just just a difficult thing to uh, a difficult route to sort of chart your way through. I yeah, I think maybe just uh, my sort of <laughs> what I would say would be just don't just because this is a galaxy spanning space opera epic thing that that allows space for smaller tales just don't wrap it in you know just don't have the yeah. appearance of horus in this just have um because remember in the first half when um we had the like the relationship between yosef and his wife and his kid yeah and they they would be talking about oh did you uh, did you hear on the radio like the unrest that's yeah coming yeah. up because people are starting to like just totally freak about all of this crazy shit going on that seems that to me seems totally legit yeah like i i 100 believe that that would would happen and that people would just start losing it out of fear rather than any kind of direct action against them and yeah that, that sort of makes me think you could probably carve a few good short stories or novellas out of the carcass of this book basically um and that would be one of them. One of them where you were just like, no, you don't have to link this up with an attempt to assassinate the emperor, where a demon has taken over this <laughs> Everman detective. Um, you can just have the Everman detective on a world that is, or a system that has turned into chaos. You know, as a sort of ripple effect of the Horus heresy. Yeah. You know, and, and stories like that. But just yeah, I think that's a good point you made there. Like those stories are good, and and as maybe short stories and stuff in the series. They, they yeah. may have worked better, um, and and we all know from our deep knowledge about every man characters, every man detectives. He may be taken over by a warp demon skin monster creature, but only for an episode. And um, like I think his the innate honesty of his soul would fight it off. You know, yeah. Um, he would use his uh, his good simple character and his um, his natural quick wits. In order to defeat uh, that, that evil eye monster. Yeah, I'm glad this one's over. Uh, yeah, they, for, 
it's maybe not the worst book of the series, but I find it the hardest to read by I, like yeah. a long shot. I would say it is my least favorite of what we've read so far. Not to say that it was completely without merit, but um, yes, I'm glad it's over. And I'm really, I'm quite glad the next one is like about Erebus because that's like properly a thing where I'm like, yeah, keen to, I th- which yeah, I think I th- have read before, but I can't remember any of it. I don't think I have read this one, but there's no chance this can't be a big, you know, massive melodrama. Yeah, it has to be, and I, uh, I'm, I'm here for that. Like in in the first chapter or so that I've read, there, I I was like just reading a bit of it. I was like, yeah, this is the pomposity I'm looking for. <laughs> you you want a whole crew of people with their hands on fire? You want <laughs> you want people sermonizing to people who don't care? Yeah, cool. Right, uh, well, I guess we're done then, are we? Yeah, that's it. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you want to get in touch, please do. You can get us at uh, horseheretics at gmail.com. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, Will, do you have anything more you want to say to anybody? Nope, uh, just that I'm looking forward to the next one. Great. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.